Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud, a lot for us to uh, jump into tonight. Uh, fortunate enough to draw on some of your experiences, uh, whether it be at uh, high school All-American camps, coaching clinics. Looks as though we'll have a pretty full show for people. As always, want to thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. I uh, want to thank them for the support that they provided the Nolcast, and thank you, uh, the listenership, for the amount of engagement and support you have uh, uh, in turn given to them as well. So uh, title sponsor, great people to work with, great product uh, to be able to support and enjoy, and uh, as always, a tip of the hat to them as we move into the full podcast. Dude, no doubt about it. Happy to be here, happy to do it. So we'll jump in. A lot of different topics tonight. Florida State got a new quarterback. They had the coaching clinic. We had the Nike camp over the weekend. Uh, they also have a new offensive line coach. Uh, we try to do about one of these a week in the offseason. Just that's kind of generally how information comes out. And we aim for about 75 a year. Uh, so we'll get into this. Uh, I was at the Nike coaching clinic with FSU's coaching staff. Um, went pretty well. Willie Taggart spoke. Kendall Bryle spoke. Uh, you just got to say hi to all the guys. I think everybody on the staff was there. I, I saw Telly, Pimp, Clements, uh, Dugans, Kelly, Bryles, Willie, Odell, Woody, and Barnett. Yeah, yeah, the whole staff was there. I didn't want to make sure. I'm so anyway, how this works generally is that the Nike schools in Florida, which would be Florida and Florida State. They rotate years, so this year was kind of more the Florida State ne- year. Next year, we more the Gators year. As far as bringing the assistants, having breakout sessions, um, you know, talking ball, saying what's up to the high school coaches. Now, th- there are some assistants from both staffs so that will be there every year, uh, but just the way Nike organizes this, it, it generally works out to so where it's kind of every other year. So they'll have Seminole night or Gator night. And if you've ever been to a coaching clinic, uh, basically what, what happens is you know, guy gets up there, introduces himself, and then talks about a topic that might be helpful to uh, either other college coaches, but more likely just you know high school coaches in the area. Uh, it's helpful to provide information to these guys uh, as they you know, they're all part of the, the coaching uh, profession fraternity. Uh, in, in addition to wanting to make sure, like if these guys have good players, that you might be able to recruit those players, and you want want to have those good relationships with those guys. So uh, Willie was the first to speak for Florida State. He basically said the same thing that he said last year. I uh, did pick up a couple things from his talk. Uh, number one, uh, he did mention that uh, it was hard to, you know, at times to to have the the offense operating because his quarterback, you know, maybe because of, of DeAndre's knee injury, right, coming off the uh, thing, which is, I don't think that surprised anybody, really. I mean, DeAndre looked timid a lot of time early on this year, so. And I think we've talked many times that the staff certainly expected him to progress a little bit faster than he did uh, as far as regaining confidence in that knee as he went through fall camp. So uh, just confirm that. I don't know if Willie's ever said that publicly before. So that was interesting. Uh, He spoke about sort of, hey, they had a tough year this year. You know, like he didn't really beat around the bush. He didn't focus on it a lot, but he said, yeah, we had a tough year. But I'm not new to this. I've had really rough years at – you know, t- taking over programs that have been down before as well, and we managed to turn them around. You know, you got to do it through recruiting, you got to do it through coaching, you got to do it through good hiring. Uh, and, he, and he spoke about, you know, sort of his genesis as a coach, switching to the Gulf Coast offense. Uh, obviously, 
mentioned that he uh, you know went and spent some time at Baylor, which is <laughs> no uh, no real surprise. Uh, we've said that for a long time. I think that a lot of the elements of his Gulf Coast offense came from Baylor. Uh, he talked about how he thinks the NCAA uh, the rule is kind of kind of screwing over high school coaches, to be honest, because you can't hire them out of high school now unless you hire them to the actual coaching position, which means they can't be like a, a quality control or guy or an analyst, which I'll be honest, I, I think it's kind of a, a dumb rule as well. Uh, it's just not not something that's real fair. And it severely limits the ability of, the, of these high school coaches to be able to become college coaches. I, it takes away – I understand a, the purpose of the rule. Yeah, yeah, and, and I do too, but it, – it, I understand the purpose of the rule, but it also takes a very legitimate career stepping stone away from people. I mean, that it, you don't – very few people have their first job as the wide receiver coach at Clemson or Florida State or whatever. I mean, it, it's a it's a process, and uh, that is something that's going to limit some people uh, as they pursue that. I mean, I've got a friend of mine right now who spent eight years coaching high school ball. The, that's not – you know, not necessarily the – the career track that a lot of people would take, but he's now coaching uh, mid-level, mid-level college and is kind of behind some and in front of others, but that's going to have a, a ripple effect as far as how, how positions are filled. Exactly right. So just trying to play to the crowd there. And you know, Willie is not a great public speaker. Um, he, he's not super engaging in that larger public setting. Kind of the same thing with, with press conferences for the most part. He's very engaging one-on-one. And we, we get that from a lot of people who are able to meet with him, specifically recruits. But in a big setting, that's, that's really not his deal, but but he got up there and did it. Uh, and then Kendall Browles got up and spoke. Uh, oh, but wait, hold on. Between between uh, these two things, we did have a little thing. Several emailed about this, so we'll talk about this real quick. Ingram. Apparently, Football Scoop took this message board post and ran with it. So here's the deal. I'll, I'll kind of set the scene here, right? Willie is the main speaker, so... At, I think he spoke at 8.40, I believe, or no, uh, 7.40. That's right, because I was just coming back from dinner. So he spoke at 7.40. Pretty much every single person at the event was in the room for Willie. Now, afterwards, you can go and go to multiple breakout sessions. So you had, I think, Odell on D-line play. Uh, I think linebacker play with with Woody. A couple other ones. But, but the main room was going to be Bryles, which I think because he's the new guy on the staff, because uh, Clements was not presenting. Uh, but the you know the main guy I think was supposed to, was going to be Bryles and a lot of I would say the vast majority of people just stayed in the room because it was just back to back like it, it was if you were in there for Willie you were almost certainly going to be in there in there for Bryles but according to this message board post and I know this because I was actually at the event and you know was in that main room so he's the message board post says. Willie Taggart is here with his whole FSU staff. After Willie gives his clinic, the whole FSU staff does, quote, breakout sessions. So, so far, they're correct. Uh, where all the position coaches go into separate rooms and give their own short clinics, except for the fact that the main guy that everybody came to see stayed in the same room where everybody already was, because that's how they set it up, because Nike isn't dumb. They know who, who people come to see. So, continuing. So, many Diaz and staff show up right before the breakout session in all their Adidas gear, and start throwing a full-on frat party in a separate room, handing out free beers to all high school uh, coaches during FSU's breakout session, LOL. So instead of the high school guys attending FSU's breakout sessions, they were all heading towards the Miami Hurricanes party, hello, free beer, exclamation point. Manny was tossing beers around to coaches, taking pictures, chopping it up with the high school guys, etc. Everybody was like, quote, this is epic gangster-ass <laughs> stunt, LOL. Manny's response... According to this message board poster, not me. 
Uh, this is what we're trying to bring back to the U, that FU type of swagger. Uh, they're leaving tomorrow morning. They all came this way just to crash at Bashir's clinic, LOL. What an epic move. This grown man writes LOL a lot, by the way. Yeah. I, I assume it's a grown man writing this. Could be a woman. And let me tell you something. He has this place buzzing right now. High school guys from all over the state are at this clinic, and they're talking about Miami's stunt tonight. Okay. So I'm just going to go through this line by line to give you all of what actually happened. So the first thing I really would take issue... First, I actually have no idea if this actually happened. And I definitely don't think it went down how this message board posted it went down. But I do know that, quote, these high school coaches were all heading towards the Miami Hurricanes party is completely false. I would say if if like 95% of the people at the conference were in there for Willie, probably 75 to 80% of the people at the conference were there for Kendall. And they didn't leave the room because Wendell, or because Willie and Kendall literally went back to back. And a huge portion of the room actually got up to ask Willie questions in, in the one-on-one setting afterwards. So they all went to the front of the room, which would be on the complete opposite side of the exits, which you'd have to leave to go out to grab free beer from Andy Diaz, assuming that actually happened. So, yeah, I, I really call BS on this, if not completely, mostly. I didn't hear anybody describe it as an epic gangster stunt <laughs> either. Like, not even anybody. And I know some high school coaches down there who are Miami fans, and they didn't go to this thing or even mention it. And I'm pretty sure that if it had happened, they would have given me for it because they know I'm an FSU grad. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, I really doubt that Miami, that Manny actually said, quote, this is what we're trying to bring back to the U, the FU type of swagger. Of all the, the details of this, the fact that this individual got a quote from Manny Diaz is uh, is all the more impressive and uh, perhaps skeptical as, as hell as to whether or not that, uh, among other aspects of this story, ever took place. By the way, you want to know something else? The timing of this stunt, if it actually happened, was terrible. Because, you know, so at 7.40, Willie speaks, right? 7.40 to 8.30. Kendall Brown spoke at 8.40. So you had about a 10-minute break if you wanted to take it. But most guys just stayed in the room because, like I said, they wanted to go try to talk to Willie or talk to the, to some of the coaches beforehand in the main room. If you've ever been to, like, a work conference, you understand, kind of like in the main ballroom there. You know what happened at 9.30? Because Kendall only spoke for, like, 45 minutes. Hospitality. Free beer. <laughs> I don't. I doubt this message board guy was here, or maybe he was. But yeah, so you already could go get free beer and snacks and and like hors d'oeuvres and whatnot right after Kendall spoke. So it wasn't like there was some urgency to go get beer. Several of these guys already had beers earlier in the day too. So it wasn't like, oh man, this is a a work event where you can't get beer. It. it I don't know. This whole thing kind of sounds silly to me, and how much beer would Miami have to be like? trucking around to have, quote, all these high school coaches, because there was probably about a thousand of them there. I mean, that's what you get. You get 24 in a case because they don't they don't sell the 30 racks in Florida like like y'all have in Georgia. That would mean each guy would have to carry four cases of beer into the window. <laughs> I love that. That's assuming how that all 10 down. coaches on the staff. Can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they wheeled in a little mini pallet of beer there, but uh, maybe they had a pony keg. I mean, maybe they had a great time. Maybe this was maybe this guy's 100 percent accurate. Uh, which, after listening to you, I'm either further convinced that he's not. 
Man, Miami is, uh, if this is what Manny Diaz is going to do, Miami is the least of my concerns right now. I mean, and and also turning the tide, or, or at this point, if there is even a tide in this uh, rivalry, is not going to take place because you showed up with beer on a Friday night to a coach's convention. I just, sometimes I think fans, particularly at this point in the year when there's not otherwise information to consume or concern yourself with, get far too drilled down in stuff like this and whether or not it happened, what it means, anything else. Uh, and I'm, I'm speaking off an anecdotal standpoint here, just from my own group. Like some of the questions we get. Yeah. Yeah. From my own group of friends and my own inbox (laughs) and, uh, in my own Twitter mentions. But, uh, it it is interesting to see what people latch onto and and concern themselves with. It, it certainly is, man. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Okay. So I, I had to kind of break for that, but back to Kendall. While he was speaking to, again, the vast majority of people there, because, you know, he's like, I, I want to go fast, uh, very fast, and, uh, you know, we want to score a lot of points. So, that's cool there. Now, look, the Bryles staff at Baylor is notorious for being extremely secretive and, like, not saying a damn thing. Now, I, I do have to clarify, I mean that specifically as far as reputation was about their offense. I don't mean that about anything else, although certainly I can understand how that could be misconstrued about other stuff. However, in this context, I mean about just the offense. They're notorious in the state of Texas for going to these coaching clinics and not really saying a damn thing. I did pick up on some stuff that is different simply because I know exactly what Florida State was doing last year. So there will be some differences between what Willie was doing and what Browse will do. Although I do think uh, as we've said on this show probably a couple times, this is probably about as close to a continuity hire as you could make, right? As far as familiarity with the, the basics and, and wants of the offense, I, I would think it would be hard to find something that would uh, that would gel more with, with uh, past background of knowledge and, and what they want to do. So there will be some new terminology. There's no doubt about that. He went over his main thing was how he trains his quarterbacks. Okay, so – there's a big time like workout element to this in practice. They really, really stress like stretching and like kind of strenuous quarterback work that they try to get get down for their fundamentals every day. There's a really heavy mesh point emphasis. Now, this is something that I do think Florida State can get better at. I mean, there's a lot of things they can better, better just at a little offense. bit, just a little bit here. Yeah, at the at the point of mesh, it could be a could be an area where there could be a great. great Great area for improvement. So this this uh, um, this plays into something though, because it, one thing that Florida State did not do a ton of last year was run some of the RPO stuff, right? And by again, RPOs are not like zone read. RPOs are you know sort of more more packaged plays where you have literally the, the option to you know to hand it off or to pass uh, or sometimes to keep. They are definitely going to run more RPOs than Florida State did last year. That's a large element of of Kendall's install. It's one reason why he he mesh or why he, he emphasizes the mesh point stuff so much. As far as the quarterback training goes, he he's not a huge footwork guy. I mean, like he thinks footwork's important, but he's not a huge like I, there's only one way to have footwork type thing. He does some interesting interesting drills at really high speeds that that I hadn't really seen a whole lot else. Or like other places, you know, I try to watch as many of these clinic videos as I can get my hands on because I think it's important to know what the hell you're talking about if you're going to, you know, talk about a sport or any kind of subject. But there's a lot of these drills where he's having his guys walk a certain way and then spin and fire almost blind at a target, right? And there's a couple important things this emphasizes. Number one, 
is that it, it really emphasizes the need to pick up your target quickly. When you're running that RPO stuff, that's a big deal to very quickly find who's open and get in the ball. The other thing it really emphasizes is these drills are designed to put you in an off-balance situation. Kendall wants you to be able to find the footwork, okay, that best works for you to get back on balance. Everybody's good throwing with no pressure in the pocket and totally off balance. But he wants the ball to come out extremely quickly, extremely quickly. They, they, some of these balls are, are, it's like snap, one second, gone. Big time, a lot like that, a lot, especially that last year at Houston. Now, I do know a team uh, out there who was really poor at protecting the passer uh, and could use the ball coming out quicker. Um, and that team is, of course, the one that Kendall now has to coach. So all this stuff is extremely relevant uh, to what they'll be doing. But I do think it's kind of interesting that you know, sort of like, like like a golf swing, right? There's no real one right way, or I mean, there's certainly some wrong ways to do it, but there's no real one right way to do it. But every good golf swing, you have to have balance, okay? If you're wildly off balance, it's not going to be very good. And that's really important. And, and that, that those, some of those drills can help you become better at that. I, I can also speak to, you know, like Nike, the opening clinic and the Elite 11 stuff at those camps that they have increasingly gone to more seeing which kids can throw when they're called quote unquote off platform. It, it, a lot of it's inspired by like Aaron Rodgers, but I've noticed a trend with, with the, the Elite 11 stuff. The kids who won that used to a lot of times be like the 510 white kids. Okay. They know where to go with the ball. They're like these prototypical West Coast passers, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Like Joe Montana light, except without the talent. You know, you have guys like Sean White winning the winning the Elite Eleven competition, or the the I think David Blau was in it, or maybe close to winning that one year. He went, he went to Purdue. Nowadays, though, and I'll speak to this later in the show, they've got guys who are throwing completely not off balance, but out of drills that should make you be off balance. So they want to see that body control to be able to deliver a ball accurately. How how do you contort your body when you're not in a perfect pocket, which look, Florida State's going to have a lot of pass protection problems this year. Still, it's not going to get fixed. It's just going to get somewhat better, I think. How do you throw when you're off balance? How do you throw when you got to get rid of the ball very quickly? How do you throw when you should be off balance, but hopefully you can establish more of a balanced point to deliver the football? Those are key things, and it's definitely something that Browse uh, believes in. I think this is something he's always done because all the drills came from Houston and FAU that he was showing on the screen. But damn, if they aren't relevant now. Great to hear your feedback on that. I don't know that I did the greatest job of verbalizing it and that the fear of being redundant. Uh, I'll just be fascinated to see how much better the mesh point looks like. If you can't operate out of that or you're not comfortable in it, you can't really do much else. And to be honest with you, We've looked like a team that doesn't know how to coach that stuff for the better part of six or seven years. Uh, so fascinated to see um, how much that improves. Certainly a massive area that uh, Florida State can get better and interesting to hear you talk about that. Uh, great to hear your thoughts on uh, on Bryles and uh, what he will bring. And as always, we're lucky to be able to draw on some of your firsthand experiences. But we will uh, pause real briefly to draw attention to our friends at Madison Social. They've done so many Fantastic things, but uh, one of the most recent uh, that I've seen is the the pint glass with uh, tip it, kind of a tip of the hat to Mike Martin and uh, ends with uh, his 
wording and what was a really nice social media piece, but uh, the baseball video that I would draw people's attention to if they haven't otherwise seen it. Uh, but Martin, Martin ends his letter to his alma mater stating, The future is certainly bright, and the good Lord will and the sun will rise, and we'll hear the sounds of life's greatest song being played in the place we call home again and again. Just a great uh, pint glass with a very, uh, you know, a lot of history tied to it. And uh, if this pint glass doesn't uh, fit your fancy, uh, they certainly have many other ones, but a, a great option. They're going to have a uh, I Stand With Ham t-shirt to uh, keep an eye out as well. And uh, just like we say all the time, Madison Social is just a experience enhancer, and they uh, do so many great things, and this is just built one of them that uh, increases our mutual experience of being Florida State athletic supporters. Dude, that's pretty awesome. I, I, I actually want to get one of those. I want to get one of those for my dad, so I'll probably be placing an order, or maybe, I know since I know Matt and those guys listen, uh, maybe they, they have my address. If you want to just send a couple my way, I'm, I'm definitely down. And speaking of uh, Madso pint glasses, uh, not that they need me to ramble on here, but if I was the uh, the czar of Florida State football, I think I'd be serving everybody tea, ice water, club soda, anything in one of those Derwin James glasses. I'd, I'd just go ahead and order probably 10,000 of those things if I was FSU football. Have those around. Just staple, staple yourself to Derwin James as, as well as possible. And that was uh, but another great glass that they've done uh, in the Wayback Machine. But uh, with that, thank you as always to our friends at For the Table Restaurant Group. Let's slide over to another former University of Houston coach. Uh, that is a subject matter that we and many other people have talked about for a long time. It's not, you know, insider info or anything else, but uh, uh, Clements was certainly in the pipeline. It was uh, who they ultimately hoped to hire as the offensive line coach. And uh, after a bizarre and perhaps telling uh, buyout standoff, uh, ultimately it looks like this has been concluded. Uh, actually, it has been concluded. This has been officially affirmed. But uh, let's go ahead and spend a second talking about Florida State's new offensive line coach. Yeah, so Florida State's new offensive line coach is Randy Clements. He has been part of the Bryles Street for a long, long time. Um, that was pretty much a condition of Kendall wanting to come to Florida State, as I understand it. Got to meet, uh, got to meet Randy and say hello at the clinic. Uh, seems like a, like a pretty uh, dude, pretty focused on ball. We know that he uh, he reached out to Jalen Rivers, the Florida State probably their number one or number two offensive tackle target, literally on the day that he was hired. So he, uh, I, I imagine that phone call went something like that. Hey, Jalen, did you watch Florida State last year? Did, did you notice the lack of tackles or at least decent ones or even below average players? Uh, yeah, we have some playing time available right now, and, and I love, love to coach you up. Uh, you know, I'm glad to start this relationship and, uh, you know, uh, hoping to see you soon. <laughs> Others are going to call you and try to talk to you about playing time. Trust me, just let let me make the argument to you. No one will be able to offer you playing time in the manner that I may be able to. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably pretty similar to how that call went. I've compiled this list of the 1,200 worst <laughs> plays from, from the 2018 season of Florida State's offensive tackles. Let me, yeah. let me tell you who offensive linemen 838, 837, 834 were, uh, ranked out of 838 players. And uh, you can decide as to whether or not you think an opportunity exists for you here in Tallahassee. I, I did have a, a interesting thing. Like clearly Florida State had the worst rated offensive line in the nation last year. And I don't know that they're actually the worst, like in, in actuality, because these you know stats are, if they're not accounting for opponent quality can be misleading. But if you ever look at the Sagarin ratings, you know, on USA Today, which are not as good, I, I don't think it's like S P or, or or FPI, but 
they are, they're actually a mix of D1 and FCS, you know, like like FBS and FCS. And there's some times when like Kansas was real, real bad that Kansas would be rated like 180. I was like, man, it's got to suck to have 50 1AA teams <laughs> rated higher than you, you know? So I, I think Clements will do a good job, simply because he has a good track record as a coach. Uh, I don't think he has a lot to work with. Like I said, I, it, I mean, we've been saying all offseason, can you just get to below average on the offensive line? Can you go from, you know, clearly the worst in the ACC and, you know, maybe the worst in all the Power Five to to bottom third in the Power Five? Can you, can you go from like 65th in the P5 to 45th? That'd be a huge win in one season. I think just simply his knowledge and experience within Burrell's system is going to have a better mesh than what you have between uh, Greg Fry and, and, and Walt Bell. And I, I, I just I think the mesh will be better. I think he has a better idea of what he's looking for in this system. At, at times, I do wonder if the, the, the switch from you know what Michigan was doing with Harbaugh uh, to what Willie was doing was, was a little bit challenging we covered the Greg Fry stuff last podcast. I, I don't again. I yeah, timing's weird, but it, it, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for somebody getting paid, you know, six hundred k to sit at home and do nothing, or you know, whatever the hell he wants to do. Was there a buyout to be paid after all this? Or wait, we're awaiting actually that news from Florida State. I'm sure they'll release the contract uh, whenever they get around uh, to doing that. Um, we have some some uh, listener questions, by the way, on this. So. I guess I'll read the first one. You can read the second one. Larry asks, is the talent gap between FSU's offensive line and the opposing defensive lines it will face similar to Houston against the AAC uh, or Baylor against you know, the other Big 12 defensive lines? I would say that the talent gap Florida State faces is much bigger right now. More pronounced. I don't, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I thought Houston probably had some of the better offensive line talent in its conference. Um, just based on how it recruits. And uh, Baylor probably did not have the best offensive line recruiting in the Big 12. In fact, I know it didn't. However, I will say the Big 12 does not produce good defensive linemen very very often, so the the challenge there is not the same. I don't think Florida State's talent at the offensive line position is any good right now. I, I think it's the least talented position on the team uh, by a good bit, and I think there's a lot of guys who just simply can't play, and I don't think Clements is going to change that with some of the it's only going to change through several years of recruiting. It's a long rebuild process there, period. Uh, so, no, I, unfortunately, I, for Florida State, I do think the gap between the, the defensive lines it has to face and, and what it's putting on the field offensive line-wise is going to continue to be significant for, uh, for a little while. Second uh, question on this subject matter comes uh, from Tom. Tom asks, Bud Ingram, I know Randy Clements coaches the offensive line, but you think he'll try to influence Cam Akers to be more patient and take what he can on runs instead of trying to make home runs. I know Akers appeared to already be doing better about this later in 2018, but I'm afraid of him regressing and trying to make too much happen. Look at old Baylor highlights. The names of their running backs do not pop out at me but they do seem to be a good job of following their line and waiting for holes to open. Yes. Okay. So certainly I, I don't think we're going to have a situation where like Clements is actually coaching the running backs like you did have with Trickett for a little while back in like, oh. Dexter Carter was a uh, quote unquote running backs coach. Yeah. That was, the, that was yeah, that was the story for a little while. Um, although I, I think he actually improved a lot. So good on Dex. I think, I think he's moved up. At least that was the last I'd heard. Anyway, um, but yes, there, there's 
there's likely to be better cohesion, I, I, I do think, between what the OC wants, what, what the running back coach understands, what the offensive line coach is teaching. They're going to run – I. Watching Houston, it doesn't look like they do a whole lot of pin and pull zone. It's it's more regular zone, um, so that's that's fine. They're both techniques are totally fine, and it's really just preference. Uh, but that might involve a little bit more reading by the back, so it might require Acres to be a little bit more patient. I also just think if you're Camp Acres, man, you had to feel just completely doomed last year. You know, I, I, selfishly, if I was him, I would have just shut it down. I'm like I'm not playing. Screw this. Like I, I got two more years before I got to go pro. This is terrible. I'm gonna keep the tread off my legs. And uh and, and this this line's just such a an absolute joke. Uh that no. But yeah, I, I think you probably could be more patient, but also they they do want to hit big plays, right? They're not out there saying, hey, just give us two yards. You know, they they would like to hit big plays here. Um and, and they want to do so fast. That, that's that's not changing. So yeah, that's uh that's where we are with that. Uh, we do want to remind everybody, by the way, to please uh, subscribe to the show. It's been a while since we've told people to subscribe. I think that's just kind of natural for a lot of folks. But uh, subscribing does help our iTunes ratings and uh, not reviews, but but actual ratings and where we rank in in the uh, in the rankings. We've been up there at the top consistently for a long time. I think we're probably more popular than all our FSU shows combined. So that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, please do subscribe to us and, uh, and and keep the subscriptions coming. Really cool. And uh, if you have another phone you can grab, uh, like perhaps a, a parent or a sibling or, or maybe a spouse, who, hopefully they listen. But even if they don't, subscribe on their iTunes, and then it'll pop up a new notification. Maybe they'll listen and really enjoy the show that you love as well. So please do subscribe to us there. I, I am pretty confident that Clements is going to do a good job, all, all joking aside. I think he's a good coach. And I think the most important aspect, as we discussed already tonight, is the fit. There's a reason why Brian Browles wanted him. There's also a reason why, obviously, Jeremy Pruitt couldn't take uh, Clements with Browles. And obviously, because he has Will Friend there. And if you recall, when Pruitt uh, got out of town uh, from Tallahassee, he went to Georgia. And at the time, the O-line coach there, I believe, was Will Frank, no, those, right? The, yeah, those two are absolutely attached at the hip, or at, or at least they have been. I mean, they they were they were inseparable in their time in Athens as well. Uh, so yeah, those, those they're they're gonna work together for a foreseeable period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I, I do think that a guy as successful as Bryles, for him to have the self awareness that hey, I, I need uh, you know, I, I need to have Clements with me. That's an integral part of my system. A, I think it's good that that he that he wasn't willing to take the job without that, right? At least that's what we've been told without having Clement. So it's good that that he understands his limitations and perhaps needs. It also is, is good that Florida State uh, eventually got got Clements there, even if it took a hell of a long time. So that's kind of what I have on the coaching clinic, man. It was it was a pretty good coaching clinic, and uh, I feel like I learned a lot. Got to catch up with some guys, and uh, and it's always good to put put your face in front of people and, and, and to, to keep relationships fresh. Fantastic. Great to be able to draw upon your experience of uh, something like that. Uh, won't spend too much time on this, uh, but there's been a new name uh, involved with Florida State's quarterback position. Wyatt Rector is a uh, preferred walk-on who has uh, confirmed his uh, his intention to enroll at Florida State. And this is a Another name that we can kind of put on the quarterback board at this point in time. A big physical kid, 
I don't know if there's perfect comparisons. He, he's, he certainly doesn't have the arm of Jacob Coker, but he's somewhat of a similar build. Uh, I, there's not a, a great comparison. I don't know how much of Rector you'll ever see at Florida State, but a, a good number or a good aspect as far as increasing your numbers and uh, somebody that uh, will, will give you a little bit more depth at that position. So we have a state championship offensive coordinator writes for Tomahawk Nation, and he wrote up a good write-up of what you can maybe expect from Rector. I will say, like, temper enthusiasm on this, his interception numbers in high school were atrocious. He had, like, 16 or 17 picks as a senior, which means you either don't know where to go with the ball or you can't get, you can't get it there accurately. On the positive side, number one, you're not spending a scholarship on, on a guy who's nothing but depth. And in my opinion, that's what he is. I don't think he's ever going to start Florida State, but he might he might bring you depth. He might help you with the culture of the locker room and, and the locker room makeup. Uh, he is a big kid. So perhaps he could do some goal line stuff for you. That's, I mean, if he's eligible, which uh, I think Brendan Sinone reported that he was going to apply for the hardship waiver. We'll see what his hardship is and how that will go. But who knows? Sometimes they hand those things out like candy. Maybe he can do some goal line stuff for you. Blackman is not the best goal line option, in my opinion, because he is very thin. He gets the rid of the ball really quick, though. A record does. That's interesting to me. It may not go where he wants it to go, or rather where it should go, depending on whether you think he was inaccurate or just throwing to the wrong guy with all those picks he threw in high school. But uh, guy from Florida, get good depth without having to burn a scholarship, and uh, that's potentially – I don't see any downside to it. At all. So all all upside. Yeah. Plus he announced his intention with a jet ski involved. So uh, hats off to a little bit of That is extremely central Florida. Exactly. Very much so. Yeah. Um, All right. Move from uh, one quarterback to uh, another. Uh, Jeff Sims. Nothing but great things uh, have come out uh, about this kid since his commitment. uh, As far as the type of leader, the role that he seems to want to play in the class and the program as a whole. And... uh, He's had nothing but seemingly pretty impressive performances uh, on kind of the camp circuit as well since uh, time of commitment. Okay, so I was at the Nike opening camp this weekend in Orlando. Funny how that works out with the, with the clinic on Friday and Saturday and the uh, the camp on uh, on Sunday. By the way, look at my upcoming piece on SB Nation. I think I'm going to talk about uh, Chad Morris and some cool stuff I learned from him. Anyway, uh, Jeff Sims, Ingram, we were right. This kid is much better than his zero-star ranking at the time that we first started talking about him. And uh, we also posted a video on Twitter about how we thought this kid was pretty good. He checks in uh, six foot three, so check mark there on, on, on the height, 195 pounds. Uh, spoke with his dad, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, I think. Yeah, so 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 the, the younger Jeff is a junior and the dad's a senior. It, it's not a junior in the third situation. Anyway, uh, spoke with his dad for a while. Said he wants to get to, you know, to 205 this year and hopefully be 215 by the time uh, uh, he's at Florida State. They're built very, very similarly. They're both uh, you know, a little bit slender, but they're not like James Blackman slender. You know, His dad's probably 6'2", 6'3". The mom is probably 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, so we're scouting the parents here, of course, as always. Uh, very important to do. Anyway, uh, Jeff Sims just looked good, man. He threw the ball with, with good velocity. He threw the ball uh, accurately for the most part, even when he was off balance. Uh, other receivers seemed to like playing with him, which is very good. And I, and I kept thinking, and Jeff Sims is a pretty good quarterback prospect. Like he's, I don't know where he's rated right now. I, I pulled it up when I was at, at the uh, the event. 
you got to keep in mind, rankings in February are are totally a mess. You know. By the way, headline my on Miami's quarterbacks, according to Manny Diaz, we need to reset the culture in your quarterback room. That's never a good thing. And uh, Florida State went through that this year with the Francois nightmare. Anyway, position rankings here currently. Jeff Sims rated the uh, number 688 player in the nation and number 32 as a pro-style prospect. Uh, if Jeff Sims is not a top 30 pro-style pro prospect, uh, then th then I'll quit doing this podcast. That that's that's pretty that's pretty silly. Uh, but then again, it's February. You know they also have Carson Beck at like two four seven has him at the 18th best pro style prospect, and I think he's like a top five pro style prospect. So they they, they have Max Johnson. No offense to the kid, super nice kid, but the LSU commit. I don't think he should be in like the top 15 of the pro style prospects, and they got him five. So anyway, don't pay a lot of attention, in my opinion, to rankings. My section today on the kids who balled out at the opening camp who don't have offers or stars yet was like 2,000 words. And I had to cut a lot of it down because I can't publish a 4,000-word article just to, to kind of give you some insight there into the writing process. But Jeff looked good. Uh, he generally knew where to go with the football in the drills. Uh, he has a little bit of, I would say, release consistency that needs to be worked on. He, his arm has a tendency to drop some. Uh, but I know I know Coach Denny's going to work with him on that. Uh, the, you know, his, his quarterback coach over there in Jacksonville at six points, and uh, when he comes over the top with it, he, he really slings it. Good velocity on the ball. I thought his ball placement on deep balls uh, in the one on one drills was was excellent. And if Kendall Bryles was there, he would have been doing some backflips because that's a big part of the Bryles offense is laying that ball over the top in a catchable manner for receivers who are hopefully running wide open to be able to catch it. So. Really strong day from Jeff Sims. Also, uh, afterwards, we, we talked to him about, you know, we were saying, hey, like, who's your favorite receiver target to throw with today? And he was like, oh, Michael Redding. And we are like, well, that's interesting. He doesn't have a Florida State offer yet. He wants to hear more from FSU and more from Florida. And uh, Sims was like, he doesn't have an offer? And uh, I just literally interviewed Redding like five minutes earlier. And I was there with, with uh, Josh Newberg. And we were like, no, uh, not currently. Doesn't think. Although, to be honest, I'm pretty sure FSU offered Mike Redding last year. But I'll get to that later. Anyway, so he said, oh, that's going to get fixed tonight. And like two hours later, uh, Redding had an offer. So pretty cool there. And uh, Redding seemed really excited about the offer. And uh, and Sims, he does kind of have a dynamic personality, man. He's just uh, just smiling all the time. Guy's laughing. He's, he's doing the chop out there. Jaquavian Frazier's the, the Gators receiver commit, who I like a lot, uh, was making fun of Jeff for looking like a frog. And then uh, Jeff responded that he looks like that Frazier's looks like a bird or a pelican on Twitter. That was pretty funny. I don't want to say they got lucky because it's not like they didn't work to get Jeff Sims, but I, I really do feel like they're fortunate to have him come along when he did. He he is recruiting for this class in a way that that Sam Howell just didn't do. You know, that's not a slight Howell, just different personality guys. Also, they lived in different states. Very much assume the mantle of uh, of uh, bell cow or whatever terminology you want to use, and uh, when you've got a in state quarterback who's got uh, you know kind of a larger personality and a, a magnetic personality, possibly uh, that can that can go a long way. And uh, you know, giving quotes out like uh, describing that your favorite receiver is no blooded or whatever else is uh, always something that brings a smile to the face. And uh, interesting to see how much uh, rapport he and Redding have, and 
how much traction Florida State's offer gets and whether or not that's a, a combo that uh, all the everybody wants to pair people's package deals and everything else. But uh, anytime you can get a wide receiver and a quarterback with a good rapport, that's uh, something that can go a long way. And Redding will be somebody that we look at at the wide receiver position. Another name, Bud, I know is uh, Brian Robinson, who uh, was at the camp as well. Yeah, Brian Robinson, big-time receiver. He's currently committed to Miami. Uh, but again, who was Miami's receivers coach last year? It would be Ron Dugan. Currently employed who in Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian Robinson, very receptive to overtures from both FSU and Florida. Uh, I'm not saying he won't sign with Miami, but I, if you gave me options like Miami or anywhere else, I, I really would have a hard time figuring out what side to bet on at this point. I, I think it's probably 50-50 as to whether he sticks with his Miami commit. By the way, can, can I just back up and say how excited I am as a recruiting guy that there are actually good quarterbacks in the state of Florida for like the first time in forever? My, my, my process with the quarterbacks at these camps in Florida typically is this. When it's time for the QBs to work out, I walk over there, I look around, I see terrible quarterbacks. I stick around for a little bit longer because I, I don't want dis- to disrespect all the quarterback coaches who are volunteering out there. We chatted up, we shoot the breeze a little bit. Hey, you know, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you think you got any high level kids here? Eh, no, not really. Okay, cool. You know, got, got any, you know, got any, uh, got any parents who, who can really pay? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, got, uh, um, you know, yeah. got, got any guys, got any guys you think are like FCS or, or like lower low FBS? Yeah, I think we got a couple guys who got a chance. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll watch them a little bit. You know, you pretend like you're taking video because, I got enough clips to sort through anyway. I don't need to take a video of like two-star quarterbacks, which is most of what we usually have in Florida. And then I leave and I go over to watch receivers or DBs or any of the myriad of positions that this state normally produces. Yesterday was cool, man. Like the guys I rated like four, five, six, seven, eight at the quarterback position at this camp would have probably been like one, two, three, four, five in previous years. It was it was nice to see that level of depth. You know, Sims looked very good. Beck threw the ball really well. Uh, Anthony Richardson, I thought, threw the ball uh, better than he has in the past, and he's also a freakish athlete. I mean, 6'4", 220, and running 4.50 is something else. Uh, Garrett Green, kid out of Tallahassee, also a good baseball prospect, looked really good. We had we had a bunch of guys. I'm not going to name them. I'm just – I'm really happy. It's kind of cool because it also makes the rest of the camp better. Like, receivers can actually ha- have – catchable balls delivered to. I, I hate having to evaluate these guys. It's like, all right, well, he got open there, and the ball was thrown into the damn stands like like it was when Torrance Gibson was was trying to play quarterback that one year at the Miami Regional. This was this was cool. It was very weird, too. It was like, why? Why do we have quarterbacks in Florida? This is not normal. I, we really haven't had this since 2011 when you had Driscoll, Brissett, and, and Bridgewater. It's just, uh, for whatever reason, a, a state that traditionally doesn't produce a ton of uh, of great quarterbacks. I mean, you can go back and look at a 30-, 40-year window, and uh, uh, f- for all the positions that Florida produces, offensive tackle and quarterbacks historically have been, you know, not necessarily. And there's, there's always uh, exceptions to the rule, but it, two positions that the state doesn't necessarily manufacture – nearly to the level that it does the uh, the other 20 spots out on the football field. It is kind of weird, isn't it? Um, so, anyway, yeah, Jeff won the quarterback MVP. I thought it was a pretty tight race, but but I do think he deserved to win it. He got invited to, to the Elite 11, as did Beck and Robinson. Uh, very strong quarterback day. 
We already covered the two receivers that I think are most relevant. Uh, for our Pensacola listeners, by the way, a kid named Terenzo uh, Turner. Terenzo Turner. It, it's I was like, Lorenzo with a T? And he's like, kind of, but it's spelled T-E-H-R-E-N-Z-O. Turner. And ahead, I was like, that's not like Lorenzo, but okay. <laughs> I like the love the kind of answer. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Uh, in in the fact that it sounds like that. Uh, well, because the music's playing so loud, you kind of got to shout sometimes yeah, when you're talking. Yeah, to these that's kids, true. Unfortunately, I've been to a couple um, of these things with you, so I'm, I'm fortunate in the fact that I have a little bit of an idea as to the the setting. But uh, yeah, you're right about that. So, podcast also brought to you by Resolution Home Loans. Resol- Resolution Home Loans. When you call 844-FSU-LOAN or you visit FSUHomeLoans.com, you'll get hooked up with Shannon, best loan guy in the business. I got my loan through him. Almost 20 other Nolcast listeners in just over a year have as well. The online reviews don't lie. They're great. Check them out. Communication, rates, expertise, customer service. You get it all, 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. From one great name to another, bud, and it's uh, it's real easy to get people excited about a five-star prospect that's in-state, uh, Lakeland, Florida, but uh, Demarcus Bowman, maybe a kid that uh, would be fun to associate with Florida State, but uh, I'm, we're not, neither of us are real sure how much of a legitimate uh, contender Florida State will be in this sweepstakes. I am very sure that Florida State is not a contender in these sweepstakes. It Here's the thing. I think he's going to end up at Florida. I think he wanted to go to Georgia, to be honest, for a while. There was word that Georgia was trying to get the really big fish this year, the the Cali kid and the Texas kid, uh, Milton and um, uh, Evans out of Katy, Texas. But I asked DeMarcus, and I was like, so is Georgia back recruiting you hard? And he's like, yeah, for sure. He also lit up when he talked about Clemson. So I, I think they're somewhat in it on the outside looking in. I, I did not buy Florida State as a contender for Demarcus Bowman. I, I would encourage you that if that gets put out there, barring something really weird happening, to disregard that as as you know, kind of subscription bait season. Basically, he goes to Lakeland High School. Florida is going to get ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the elite level prospects it wants from Lakeland High School. That's Chris Rainey's school. It's the Pouncey school. It's a number of other big time Gator players' school. Uh, yeah, that's not an option. That's no. Somebody who I thought had a really good day, by the way, was Kaziah Holmes. He's at, he's at Coco, which is an elite level program. Now, he's listed as an athlete on a lot of these sites because he plays both ways. I, I was I'm not going to lie, entering this camp, I thought he was more of a corner. Okay, a guy with, with, with good height, nice athleticism. I didn't know if he had those, those great running back instincts. But, man, this dude came out there. He won the fastest man both races. He had several wins in one-on-ones where, where he had to juke people, despite the fact that he's kind of a high-cut kid. He reminds me a little bit of um, – you remember the Adams kid that played for Notre Dame? What was his name? Josh Adams. He was out of Pennsylvania. He, he Kind of a taller, taller running back. He was like 6'2". In high school, he was probably like 195-ish. Uh, Holmes is more probably six six one, but but definitely a, uh, a a nice running back. The, the burst on him though, once he breaks through the line of scrimmage, is really nice. And, and I got to tell you, this is why I go to these camps. I want to see stuff that I haven't seen before. 
it helps me be better at my job. It also gives us content to write about. But he's got me convinced now. I think Kazai Holmes is, is a running back. And I, before, I really thought he should play corner. So it, it opened my eyes. I know it opened a couple other guys' eyes as well. We were all sitting there watching. Like, okay, that's that's better than I thought he had. I didn't know he had that in his game. His great uncle, I believe, by the way, is also JT Thomas. JT Thomas is the first African American football player for Florida State. Hmm. Quite. The, That's a good connection. Quite the connection. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked him, you know, who's recruiting you? He said, uh, you know, the guys, the schools coming at me hardest: Miami, Florida State. Ohio State, West Virginia. So Ohio State does have a really strong connection to Coco. They, they've had a number of kids uh, go there, or at least you know consider them heavily. Uh, but I think Florida State uh, should turn up the pursuit of him even more. In fact, I, I think he at this point is probably my favorite running back that Florida State has a good shot at. I, I do like him over the uh, uh, Toafili kid out of St. Pete, who I think is also a very good player. Uh, but I do slightly prefer Holmes just because of his build and because of his burst. So I don't know exactly where he is on FSU's board, but uh, if I'm them, I'm moving him up. Uh, I, I I think this is an example of you know maybe not maybe not a top two target in the state, but a guy who's very realistic as far as someone you can actually sign, which is important because there's no prize for second place. Um, a name that we mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, just real quickly, your opinions about uh, Jalen Rivers' uh, offensive tackle. Sure. Uh, Jalen Rivers, top top one or two offensive tackle in the state. Uh, he, came into, he came into this camp uh, wanting to prove something because he was not very good at the Under Armour camp. It looks like he, he got in even better shape. He said he was 6'6", 331, which this guy's huge, man. 331, 6'6", is a high scorer. You know, that, that's crazy to me. He, he played well. He was beaten not very often. Uh, he moved better. And I spoke with him. I said, you know, what, what are you been working on in your game, man? He said, look, I, I, I want to stay more centered. I, I want to stay on balance and really trust my technique and not lunge, not, not, you know, not, not get over, overextended out, out over my shoes, which is good because if you're 331 pounds, if you want you lunge, you're, you're not lunging back, right? Like that's, that's all that body's not coming back. Uh, and, and he did better, so it was good. He, he's a really smart kid, man. I, I enjoy talking with Jalen a lot. He, you know, he understands what you're asking with a question. He, he gives thoughtful answers. Florida State's in, in his top five right now, which he, he just put out like like a week ago, which is uh, shoot Miami, Florida, Florida State, uh, Georgia, and I think Alabama. Clemson's not in it. So, yeah, I think it's those five. Anyway, um, so he and, and teammate Chance Williams are, are pretty intent on going to school together. Chance Williams is the defensive end. And so I, I had asked Chance, you know, what – I try to ask these kids questions other than, like, who's your leader because usually they won't say. So I'm like, so who's who's the school you're most confident will be there for you in the end on your final table? Uh, and Chance said Florida. So, obviously, Florida State has some work to do with the, uh, the four-star defensive end, Chance Williams. But I asked Jalen – and I said, you know, I asked Chance this question. And I shouldn't have told him that because I, I wanted to see. I probably should have got an in, more independent answer. And he said, well, what did Chance say? <laughs> and he, he kind of laughed because he, he didn't really want to answer it. And I said, well, well, Chance said Florida. And he said, well, I I think I agree with Chance. Yeah, Florida um, and, and maybe Georgia. So, again, that to me illustrates that Florida State has a lot of work to do if they're going to get Chance Williams or Jalen Rivers. And in my opinion – 
These are the kind of prospects that Willie Taggart needs to be able to land if he's going to be successful in Florida State. If he doesn't, I think he's going to have a very short, <laughs> very short career in Tallahassee. This is what he's brought here to do. Not, not sign Plan C, Plan B kids. Need to sign some Plan A kids. Chance Williams, Jalen Rivers are Plan A type recruits, in my opinion. Uh, and it is good that Florida State made made the top five after going five and seven. And I do think that both prospects are, are very intent on giving them a a legitimate look. But you know, this is this is the first guy that that Randy Clements called. Jalen said after he got the job. So clearly, he's a top priority, and they do have work to do on him. Um, so that's where they are with the two kids at Oakleaf High School there in uh, in Jacksonville. Where you talked about, uh, you know, first takes or second takes. Uh, in your opinion, where would the, the former UF commitment, uh, Josh Griffiths, fall in that kind of uh, pecking order? Uh, sure. So, defensive so he's, lineman, he's, he's not I, – I, uh, I, I think he's a fine player. If you're going to take three defensive ends this year, he better be the third best one you take. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense yep. to everybody out there? Absolutely. Now, I think there's a lot of reasons to take him, by the way. I've thought about this a lot. I actually had a debate with somebody today because I was driving home and I had about two hours to kill. So I, I had a debate with a fellow coach about this. And he said, look, you've been trying to change the diversity in that locker room for almost a decade. This is something that guys on Jimbo's staff complained about, right? They literally said, you know, we have trouble getting, getting white kids from some of these southern states to come to Florida State. Not guys on Willie's staff, guys on Jimbo's staff telling me this. I don't think that situation's changed. For a while, I mean, I, I think about the composition of the roster right now. You know, you have probably 95% African-American kids. Having some more diversity on the roster can be an asset in recruiting because especially if you're trying to recruit somebody who doesn't play offensive line, and he comes, he comes to you know to on his visit, and you know the only other white kids he sees on the team are offensive linemen. That can certainly be something that that is used against you in negative recruiting. So, I think that helps. That's not why I would take Josh Griffiths. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's in a like a crazy elite player or anything, but I think he's a good player. He's very productive at at, at the high school level. I think he serves a purpose as a pass rusher. He also goes to IMG, which is a very loaded school. He's an active recruiter on social media. But I do think that having more diversity at some other positions could be beneficial in recruiting. It, it's, a, it's a legitimate concern that other coaches have told me about. And I mean, not just like Willie staff, but the, the prior staff. This is something they've been trying to do for like a decade now. So I, I would take Josh Griffiths. But you do, but he does not satisfy your need, in my opinion, for elite top-end talent, right? Which is what you need to do. You need to bring in some serious studs in the defensive line. They brought in a lot of guys who, in my opinion, are are jags, basically. Uh, we'll move real quickly to linebacker uh, Jalen J. I'll get your pronunciation. Uh, Jayon McCluster, a kid out of Largo, Florida, uh, more than likely a inside linebacker prospect. Yep, uh, it's actually uh, uh, Jayon. Jayon, thank you. That's how he said it when I asked him. But other people call him. I think I think Jayon. For, for now, we'll just call him Jay McCluster. Uh, but but it's it's J A Y I O N. So I I think it's Jayon. He looked pretty good uh, for sure. He's a guy that that Florida State is still his leader. Uh, Auburn's pushing. Florida has interest in him. 
couple other schools too. Florida State uh, told him they will hold the spot, but this is one of the kids that they, if he commits, they want him to be sure. They don't want to play a lot of games and, ha- and have a lot of their commits this year taken under visits once they're committed. Uh, they, they, they don't want to have to play quite as much defense. They'd rather play, they'd rather continue to play offense basically on uncommitted prospects as opposed to having to play defense on certain guys who, you know, maybe continued to uh, take visits all the way through last year, which is fine. Like there's different approaches. I don't think there's really a right approach and a wrong approach, but I think they just don't want him to commit if it's too early, but he, but he's a top level prospect, certainly a guy who would fit well in their linebacker room. Uh, but man, you know, who's a really good prospect. Keyshawn green is a stud, like six foot three, I think 210 was his was his weight, maybe a little bit less than that. Extremely productive at the high school level. He goes out there, runs 449 as a linebacker on the laser. I don't know how, how hard it is to like, like, like to get folks to understand this, but I gotta tell you, like, you'll watch the NFL Combine this week, okay? Almost nobody there is running 449. Now, this is this is hand start laser finish, but still, all these kids say, oh, I run 44, I run 44. 449 on 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 this track is in the 99th percentile of all high school football players and he's a backer. He's also really physical and loves playing football. Like he's if you could draw up a line, I, I think he's the best linebacker in the state. I think he's rated second or third right now. And you guys know, I'll tell you if I don't like a commit, I'll just say I, I'm not sure he's, you know, Keyshawn Green's a stud. I watched that that Florida Legends game, the the 2020 like futures game they had down there. And the East roster was so much better than the West roster. But basically, the West roster, the the West won the game. And it did it for three reasons. Number one, it had a little bit better quarterback play because Willie Taggart Jr. is not bad. He's not special or anything, but he's not terrible. And he, he knows what he's doing. You know, he's the son of a coach. Keyshawn Green had like three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pick. So just they couldn't block him. It, it, it's, I, I, I put the film up on YouTube. It's, it's really, really nice. And then they gave 22 carries to Kevon Lee, the uh, the running back who was committed to Florida. And to me, that felt like a lot of carries for an all-star yeah, game. Yeah, that's uh, – But uh, – hmm, Okay. But he's a stud. And so, basically, it was the, the Keyshawn and Kevon show uh, on offense, defense, respectively. And uh, that's how the West beat the East in, in that game. Uh, it was pretty cold that night as well, if I recall. But uh, so, man, he loves playing football. He, he actually, like – Put a couple kids on the ground in drills that are supposed to be a little more just uh, just make two hand touch, uh, but he got invited to the opening, so good on him. He shockingly he won the linebacker MVP, uh, so yeah, you know, talented linebacker that you're high on. He's uh, related to Nigel Bradham. I was going to say top out, of, out of Wakulla, uh, Crawfordville. I will I will take that and uh, and not turn back for for a heartbeat. So uh, quite the so they're quite the kid very great shape the linebacker there. man. Yeah. They they made uh, they made Antoine Sampa's uh, top list tonight too, so good uh um you know uh, good good stuff there. Oh, DB wise, so uh, Demory Tate, but uh, FSU actually had three three commitments at this uh, this camp, and two of them won position MVPs. So pretty good ratio there. And the guy who didn't, Demory Tate, is an absolute stud corner. Uh, they're gonna be extremely happy to have him at, at Orlando Freedom. So they're off to a good start with the commits they have. Uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of months to see what kind of momentum they have with, with some of the, the more of the elite kids who are not committed. I really like their guys in the class right now. 
Uh, one guy who I know did come for junior day, and he's actually on Jeff Sims, seven on team on Pro Impact, is Fred Davis. Uh, I put a crystal ball in for Fred Davis to Clemson. Uh, I think Florida State is probably fourth or fifth for Fred Davis right now. I didn't, I wasn't sitting here for the interview, but uh, Chris Knee and a couple other guys did it, and uh, basically it went down like this. You know, who, who do you talk to most at uh, at Florida State? I talked to Greg Fry. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. He didn't know Greg had been let go. That kind of tells you maybe his interest in Florida State. I I, I don't think that, that Fred Davis is going here, uh, which is a, uh, you know, that's, that's not great news for FSU because he's a total stud. But they, they are doing really well with their defensive back recruiting. Right now, I would say I would give their QB recruiting like an A, their receiver recruiting – they don't have any commits, but I, I still think that they're they're in good shape there for a lot of good kids. Offensive line recruiting, probably an incomplete because I, I want to see what kind of traction Clements gets here. You know, I know he's reached out to a couple guys already. D-line recruiting, um, I don't really like where they are. Personally, I think they need to be bringing in more elite-level kids, and they're not getting them right now. And I'm not really sure where they're going to come from. So uh, probably like a D or an F so far with, with, with their progress there, but there's a lot of time to change that. This is like a, you know, second week of school type grade, potentially linebackers, like an A triple plus and, and DB is like an A triple plus They're They're doing extremely well there in the back end, but you gotta, you gotta get those stud defensive linemen. And uh, right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not seeing it. So that's just kind of my, my assessment there. All right, bud. Uh, as always, great to be able to draw upon what you've seen and, uh, f- you know, first firsthand observation, always uh, take it over anything else. Uh, you want to get into some listener questions tonight or maybe we've run a little bit longer than we first planned. Uh, are there any listener questions that are going to sound like totally out of sync next week? While we review that real quickly, give you a quick little basketball update here. Florida State beat Notre Dame 68-61 to tonight. Uh, nice little rebound win after uh, a disappointing loss to Carolina over the weekend. Uh, Terrence Mann told the walk-ons to uh, stay on the bench tonight, and he'd be the one who uh, ended the game with a pretty thunderous uh, pretty thunderous dunk to kind of seal it. Uh, really nice win. Been a great season. We'll have uh, – some of the, the basketball experts from Tomahawk Nation back with us quickly, but uh, always want to acknowledge what the uh, basketball team has done here. And at this point, they're 22-6 and six and 10-5 and five within the conference. Uh, it looks like it is a uh, – all these questions will still be relevant uh, next week, so we will just go ahead and hold them. Maybe we'll do more of a mailbag show because I'm not really sure in our next show how much uh, new information I'm going to have. So we'll probably do a little more mailbag stuff. I actually am going to go – I'm going to go to L.A. for a week. We will do a mailbag show, and we will possibly – we're not going to devote a whole show to this. Bud and I have been kicking around a broader conversation about the boosters for about six weeks or so. Uh, There's been some good work by other people on the beat recently. Uh, Again, we're not going to devote a whole show to that, but uh, do think that both of us have some fairly interesting information about what's going on there and maybe uh, how that whole – setup will evolve and morph as uh, as we move into the next maybe three or five years here absolutely man i'm looking forward to it so we will uh we will talk very soon y'all make sure to subscribe five star ratings on itunes if, if you uh, feel like we deserve it we will soon have some information on our uh, spring game party as well so a lot of good things happening with the Nolcast. stay tuned